this morning as we pray, I think it'd be appropriate for us to pray for all the folks in western Kansas. Um, people lost their lives with the wildfires. Uh, a lot of cattle were killed. Um, almost a thousand acres were burned. I mean, think about that. A thousand square miles, excuse me, a thousand square miles were burned, which is like 10 miles by a hundred mile stretch. Um, so a lot of devastation out there, a lot of people impacted. We want to pray for them. And I was just thinking about the song, and next week you'll be reading, or this week, I'm starting today, you'll be reading in John 15. It says in John 15, uh, without me you can do nothing. And so as we pray, we, we come to that place where uh, this song is very real. The hour we need you. Sometimes we know it, and sometimes we don't always recognize it, but the reality is still there. So join me in prayer, if you would. Father, we lift up those who have been uh, rocked, devastated, crushed by the wildfires. Uh, oh, God, be with the families who've lost loved ones. Minister to them, Lord. For those who have suffered great uh, financial loss because of the fires, Lord, be with them. And Lord, again, we look to you, and, and we ask that in the spite of, of this disaster that Lord you might work that something that is a a, disaster, a temporary disaster in this world may be used for you for eternal good in the lives of people I pray that Christians would would shine as bright lights in a dark time Lord forgive me for the times that I live without you think that I can do it in my own strength and flesh. Help me to live at that point of need of you every hour. So Lord, meet with us in this time. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have full reign in all that's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome again. Special welcome to all the first service people who made it to second service today. Oh, daylight savings time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're uh, we're going to do something different today. And so, um I'm going to talk for just a few minutes. Um that always scares you when you hear a minister say that cuz you don't know what in the world that means cuz we don't always know what that means. But seriously, we're going to talk for a few minutes and then uh we're going to do breakout sessions today. Uh, we've done this a time or two before for special things, and so instead of uh, a full-blown sermon here, I'm going to give you kind of some introductory comments, and then I'm going to ask you to go to one of, and this is in the bulletin, there's uh, six options here of people, and, and this is building on our Making Disciples series that I didn't get to finish, and, and I think one of the reasons we hold back a lot of times with that is the fact the fact that we're afraid we're going to get into a conversation and we're not going to know what to say. And so I've, I've asked six different people to share this morning how they share the good news of hope in Jesus Christ. And so hopefully this will embolden you and encourage you in, in, your, own, own, in your own witness for Christ. But let me set that up today. We're in John chapter 14, and I invite you to turn to that. We're working our way through 13 through 17 in John, the last words of Jesus uh, before he goes to the cross. Someone has says that last words are lasting words, and I think that tends to be true. 
and I think that's true in this case. Jesus is casting a new vision, a, new, a vision of a new paradigm, shifting, shifting from the nation of Israel being the conduit of how God is working to a new economy where we have this thing that we participate in today called the church. And it's a huge shift um, in how things work because all of a sudden from this small geography, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, God now is expanding his program and he's going international. And he's including Gentiles, which includes probably almost all of us. Uh, I don't know if some of you have a Jewish heritage, but I would say I don't and probably most of us don't that are here today. So we're going to hear more about that later this year. So uh, we're looking today at one of the most beloved passages. I'm not going to read all of John 14. I trust you've been reading it this week. Next week, if you haven't, this week, starting today, read in chapter 15, if you would. This is one of the most beloved passages in the Bible. It ranks right up there with uh, the 23rd Psalm and, and I think, uh, John 3.16. John 14.1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Don't you just love Thomas? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May God bless the reading of this as on holy, inspired word. Well, if we could go back in chapter 13, you could read about how the fact Jesus has communicated to them the fact that he's going to be going away. And so the whole group is upset. And then he also told Peter, Peter, before the morning, you're going to deny me three times. So everybody's upset about that, and especially Peter. So he's speaking to him them with these words in, in John 14, 1. He says, stop letting your heart be troubled, is what it literally means. Stop letting your heart be all agitated. Why are you so worked up over all of this? He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he begins to cast a vision of the future. And we would call it a vision of heaven. See, I, I believe that when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, eternal life begins at that point in time. At that point in time. Now, you'll die one day, but that's just a door that you walk through to enter heaven and continue eternal life. And so he cast a vision here of what that future is going to be like. Now, now I want to tell you two things about that future, that, that, that better future that he has cast for us. One, it doesn't mean this. I don't want you to hear this and say, it doesn't mean the absence of difficulties in your life. When he says stop being agitated, stop being troubled, he doesn't mean that you won't face difficulties in this life. In fact, in this passage of Scripture, in the, the vision later we see in chapter 15, it says in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 8, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So the world may hate you. In fact, in, it says in John 16, 2, anyone who kills you, we think he is offering a service to God. In fact, he says there are people who are, quote, religious people and people who in the name of God will persecute you and even kill you. 
And we all know from history the horrible atrocities that have been committed in this world in the name of God. Later, John 16, says, In this world you will have trouble. So hear me, following Jesus Christ does not make you immune to difficulties. But there's a second truth, it's this. This better future that he's casting for us means that Christ will be with us. In verses 16 and 18 in chapter 14, he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. And he talks about later about sending the Holy Spirit to be with us. Verse 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Here it is again. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's saying this. He's saying, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit so you'll have the presence of God with you that will carry you through the rest of this life. And I don't know what the paradigm shift is when we go into heaven with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that works. I hadn't seen that revealed in Scripture yet. But I don't know that we'll have the indwelling Spirit because it says in heaven that we'll be there with God in the very presence of God. And so as I look at this passage, heaven here, described here, is not so much a place uh, as, as it is a person. If you can get your mind around that. You see, heaven is about the presence of God. Uh, what the disciples, what comforted them was not that they're going to go to these places and it's going to be streets of gold and pearly gates and all these, you know, these glorious things we read about in the book of Revelation. What jazzed them and should jazz us, is the presence of God and being in communion with the God who loves us and made us and is everything. I know we need that. Paul Turnier tells a story in, in one of his books about a young man who was bo- born into an unhappy home and he carried a sense of failure and in everything he did and he couldn't stay with anything and he was in counseling and he finally told the counselor he says basically basically I'm looking for a place somewhere to be and I think within the heart of every human being we are looking for a place somewhere to be and I think the psalmist got it right when it when he wrote in the Psalm 73, verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. I think, I forget who said it, the guy who said, He who has God in everything has no more than he who has God alone. Chew on that. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ offers us a place to be loved and to belong. All of us have a deep longing in our spirit to be loved and to belong. And that is the good news of the gospel. John 14, verse 6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. 
So as we think about it, and sometimes people say, what is the way to heaven? And they should be asking, who is the way to heaven? Because the way to heaven is about a person. It's about Jesus Christ, very God, who came to earth and died for us. And I'm so thankful the Bible speaks with great specificity to this. It dispels any ideas that you hear in common culture today that there are many roads to God, many faiths. Just get on any system and just truly believe. And surely, if you truly believe, you'll be good. The, the Bible debunks that as, as gobbledygook and as nonsense. The Bible says that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. You know, I was talking about this when I talked about, about the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me, unto me, unto Jesus. Not to everyone else or any other system or any other person. So, as we tie this in and trying to look back to the making disciples message, you know, one of the patterns that I see all through the Bible, and this is a big overarching thing, is that God is always doing stuff. And God always is doing stuff in conjunction with using human beings. And I think if you look at the whole of the Bible, you're going to see that. God is continually at work in this world doing things, and he continually uses human beings. So I don't know why he did it, because I think surely there's a better way. But God, in his wisdom and his economy, has decided that human beings should be his mouthpiece in this world. He speaks to us in creation. He speaks to us through conscience. But we never get the clarity that we get when we get the gospel message of that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't get that through conscience. You don't get that through nature. But you and I get the privilege to speak that to one another. So I know that a lot of us have a heart to share what God has done for us and to offer hope to our families to the people that work with us, the people that go to school with us, our roommates. But sometimes we're timid. Sometimes we're afraid we're going to get into something and not know what to say. So today, today, in the next 25 or 30 minutes or so, uh, you have the opportunity to listen to someone share how they do this. Another person like you, just a regular human being that stands and speaks and shares the good news of Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us, and then you're going to be dismissed, and you can go to one of the rooms that's listed in the bulletin, and uh, I trust it's going to be a blessing. Let's stand together for our closing. Our dismissal prayer. Let me say that, dismissal, not closing. Father in heaven, use this time. Thank you that you made plain your truth, enough truth for us to yield our lives to you and to know that we're right with you and to experience your love and grace and peace in this world and in the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen.